I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show, and my special guest today from CBS Sports is Jason Lockenford. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. Hope you are doing as well also. I'm doing good. Uh, it's funny, Jason. I, I know you from from sports, but we kind of started communicating on Twitter because you are a dog guy and adopted a dog. And so I'm curious how the dog's doing. <laughs> we have two. I'm surprised they're not making their presence known right now. Although my son is home. Uh, he has exams and he's done for the day. And he ordered DoorDash. So at some point during this podcast, the DoorDash guy will probably arrive, at which case you will be well aware of the presence of Copper and Gigi. But uh, they are they are wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, if it was up to me, we'd have a few more. But uh, uh, the boss, uh, my wife, says two is two is good for now. So two is good. I have a uh, I have an eighty five pound pit bull, and uh, oh. I'm sure he will be making noise at some point too. I I hope, I hope Hank, he does. Big Hank loves to show up on the podcast. Good for him. Well, Big Hank should right. should have free reign. So I'm all for it. Uh, Jason, you uh, covered hockey to start out. Mm-hmm. You've done football. I know you're on the radio in Baltimore and love the O's. Do you have a favorite sport? Um, well, for me, base baseball is um it's probably it from a fan standpoint. Both of my kids play that you know, they they don't my my boys and my daughter are not into football at all. Um I love soccer played soccer all my life. My kids, my, my, my daughter played up till high school, but my kid, you know, she watches the women's national team. She'll occasionally watch the U S men with me, but like my boys want nothing to do with soccer. Um, and baseball starts when I kind of get my life back a little bit, have a little more free, you know, free time. And I'm not traveling back and forth to New York in the spring for work and not traveling as much period. So between the Orioles being right here in Baltimore and all their minor league affiliates being so close, um, the fan experience for me is is the best with baseball and getting to take my kids to other ballparks and have them see Fenway and Yankee Stadium for the first time. And, um, you know, we really like watching a lot of these these young players come up through the minor leagues and then follow their major league careers. Um, Probably baseball's the best shared fan experience for me right now, but I love taking my kids to NBA games when we can do that. Not we don't do it nearly as much as baseball. Um, I'm never I've never gone to a football game with my kids. It's been impossible with my schedule, um, and they're just not they're not really into it. So I, I guess it's a long way of saying baseball right now. Just covering the NFL like you do make it harder to be a fan. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it makes it impossible. Um, you know, I root that we get off air in time for me to make the eight o'clock Acela home from New York to Baltimore. Like that's what I root for team Amtrak. That's my favorite team uh, during the football season. I hope our trains are on time and I hope I make them and wonderful people there at Amtrak. And uh, you ride the train because you don't like planes or it's just does- easier, better, faster. And I don't, I all, truth be told, I, I, the, the less I've had to fly, the more I hate flying. I never really liked it to begin with, but now I, I really kind of loathe it. And just from my proximity where I live to the airport, I mean, to the airport versus where I live to the train station and where our studio is and the train station so close to our studio flying. I have to fly back Sunday 
just because the last train is at seven and I'm not going to make it because we have a four 30 game. Um, but yeah, I, I love the train. You can, you know, your phone works most of the time you can sit there and get your work done. Like I'm, I love the train, make calls, all that. Um, and you're not 40,000 feet in the air. So yeah, I, I um, but yeah, uh, definitely a lot of seasonal travel back and forth to New York. You have been a writer. You've been a TV personality. You do the radio. Do you have a preference of those? I think of myself at heart as a writer. I, I just feel like if you can write, it's the basis for anything. You know, I, I get a lot of young people who ask me for advice and they want to be the next Stephen A. Smith or, you know, they want to be, uh, you know, whatever, the next I- insider or they want to be uh, an anchor or a host and I, like the more you the, the more comfortable you are in your own voice developing a voice figuring out what you like what you don't like um the ability to synthesize information i just think building up your writing chops can can be a segue into so many different areas of the media but you know if if you can write for that if you're going to read a teleprompter and you wrote the copy and you know exactly what's in there and it's exactly what you want to be in there because it's coming from you i, I just think there's such a level of authenticity in that that can't be duplicated so a, in my heart i think of myself as a writer because no matter what i'm doing whatever way i'm reporting or even on the radio i'm not reading off a script but I've done the research, I've done the homework, I've done the interviews. So it's just sort of, to me, an extension of that form of communication. And writing for TV is very different than writing for a newspaper, is very different than writing for a blog, is very different than writing a 3,500-word feature on somebody. But if you could do all that, um, I, I, I think it will make transitions into other parts of the media easier. So I, 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 I enjoy writing. I mean, I, I like all of it. Um, the thing that's most new to me is the radio host. So I, I definitely feel like that's a little different because it's something I jumped into much later than in life. Um, and that's a very different form where you have four hours. It's not, you don't have somebody in your ear saying, you know, Hey, you got 15 seconds. You got 30 seconds. Like if we're not done having that conversation at the break, we're going to pick it up at the next break. And you're your own editor. You're your own producer. Like all, all of that, that ability to marry all those different traits. I've, I've found that I have a real passion for. Uh, it's interesting. Mo- I would say 95% of the guys I talk to considers themselves writers first. And really? the rest of it just came along with the writing gig. Yeah. Writers love writing. Yeah. And uh, since most of us got started in college with journalism, writing, uh, it, it makes sense. But uh, I, I'm always surprised that so many say, you know, writer first all the way. Yeah, I, I think it's the backbone to, to everything. I, I really do. If, if you... If, 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 if you can become somewhat accomplished, um, writing and you can get, you can get comfortable in front of a camera, you can get used to reading a teleprompter. You can, you know, you can get used to, but even like hosting, if you've done interviews as a newspaper forever, like it's a natural transition. Like you're, you're getting different people engaged. You're, you're being prepared. You know how to keep a conversation flowing. I just think so many of the traits you learn as a beat writer, or a columnist at the newspaper level just translates. And it's no coincidence you've seen so many. As the sports media has exploded, most people have at least some three, five, ten-year background in newspapers before they got where, where they are now. 
Let's uh, can we get you to open up your insider notebook for us for a I'll little try. bit? I'll try. I'll try. All right. Let's. Uh, there's there's head coaching openings. Yes. You have guesses on to Oof. who's going to fill those spots, and, and I'm curious to. Let, let's start here. Will the Raiders head coach retain that job? He did a nice job with him down the stretch. And and will the Texans will yeah. will he keep his job? Because I'm hearing maybe that's not a yeah. for sure thing. No, it's not. Um, I I think Rich Basaccia has a has a chance to keep his job. Um, but at the end of the day, I I I mean, look, they might win a couple of playoff games, and it's a moot point. And and that maybe they play the game of their lives and come up two yards short against the Bengals and Mark Davis says, you know what, I'm going to double down on this. But, but I know Mark Davis is um, strongly leaning towards making changes in personnel. And if you're doing that, are you going to find the coupling between this new GM? You know what I mean? Who also feels like, yeah, this is my first time doing it and all like later, maybe it's an experienced guy, but I'm going to hitch my wagon to Rich Passaccia. Like that's the guy I think is the one to steer us. And some may say, yeah, and some may say no, but as you go through that process, it can take you down different roads. Um, I, I, look, I think he has a better chance than most interim head coaches have ever had. But if I had to make a bet right now, I, I would say that um, come next year, the, the Raiders have a new GM and a new head coach. Brian Flores. Oh, in Houston. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I, I, uh, we're talking Wednesday late afternoon or late morning. Uh, there's been no proclamation from the Houston Texans that David Culley is our guy for next year. I, I think the longer it goes without some sort of statement, the stronger the indications are that that push and pull behind the scenes, that tug of war um, could lead to an outcome in which they're hiring a new coach. Brian Flores out in Miami. I mean, I can't recall the last time a guy went on a heater like that and still lost yeah. his job. Now, is he – do players find him hard to be coached by, or is this a Stephen Ross thing? No, I, I I did a lot of reporting late October, early November on what was going on down there, and everything I heard was that Stephen Ross was kind of at his wit's end it was becoming clear that Brian Flores wanted increasing no, no level of sort of control or power was enough for him. He was making changes. In the, that's the DoorDash guy. Give me, give me, can you pause it? Can, yeah, you got it. Go ahead. Hey, Rocco, your lunch is here. When, uh, when the DoorDash comes, the DoorDash comes, and you have to go get it. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Dogs will uh, always let you know. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that, that Flores, seven, seven wins in a row. Uh, but but there you go, because I, I, I had seen some players comment you know, on social media about maybe, you know, he was tough to work for. So that power struggle is interesting. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. Okay. 
Sorry. No, you got it. Uh, Flores. Um, yeah. And do you think he, do you think he's right in line for another head coaching job or do you think that the word is out on him? Well, I think certainly an owner is going to ask questions about what, what, you know, what happened there. You, to your point, you went eight and nine and, and the owner decides that he's going to keep the GM and move on from you, even though the GM has had his share of um, slip ups as well. And I, I think this whole Belichick family tree thing, like, are you, you know, is that, is that going to become a bridge too far for some of these owners? Cause it's just, it hasn't worked anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think Brian Flores's mode of communication can be very direct. Um, it, it, it could be a little over the top for some, and it did create issues in that building in a lot of different ways, including with players. Um, and there's also some accountability stuff that in the, in the moment might not seem like a big deal, but like even like moving their bye week, you know? And so they lose that game in London. They lose to the Jags. They come home. They got to play the next week because he decided that they pushed, they'd take the bye later and not take it coming home from London. And it's just like, oh, it's an organizational thing. I, I You know what I mean? I don't really know everything that went into it. Like, well, no, I mean, it, you, you got what you wanted. And, and, and from a personnel standpoint, Chris Greer tried to be a facilitator and give him what he wanted. It's just that when things didn't work out, you know, it's a big to do about why well, I had to cut this guy because we shouldn't have brought him in. Well, no, they brought him in because he played for you before and you really wanted him. So, yeah, I think it just wore people out. And and in Stephen Ross's eyes, uh, even the, the the late winning streak, and it, it did come against lesser teams, but I, I, look, a win's a win. Uh, it, it, it wasn't enough, but yeah, I mean, Brian Flores, get opportunities to interview in some, some places, but, uh, will he come up with, you know, will, will he carry the day? Um, I don't know. And, you know, is he going to be comfortable with some of these situations where the coach has to report to the GM? I, I I'm not sure that's the template that, um, would appeal to him. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Belichick coaching tree. I keep hearing more about Bill O'Brien to Jacksonville. I yeah. mean, Amazing what Saban can do with these guys, yeah. right? I mean, it, will that be a thing? The league moves in mysterious ways. Yeah, I think one of two things is going to happen in the next 48 hours. Um, Shot and Tony Khan are going to sit back, having been through this process now for a couple of weeks, and knowing that the guy that their GM, who they've kept even despite the fan unrest, Trent Balky, the guy he really thinks is the best is Bill O'Brien. Like, I think they're either going to double down on that and hire Bill O'Brien. He's interviewing there today. Or they're going to look at the whole landscape and say, Bill O'Brien's not our guy. And you know what? A lot of these other candidates don't really aren't enthusiastic about this job with Trent Balky in charge. And I think they're going to have sort of a, a, a defining moment where it's like, are we really going to go all in on Trent Balky's plan? Or are we going to cut Trent Balky loose? Almost sort of like the Houston search last year where, you know, they use the search firm. They came up with determinations. The owner in Easterby said, eh, nah, we're going to now we're going to fire everybody. The team president's gone. Everybody's gone. And we're going to do our own thing. That has that there's that potential in Jacksonville. Um, so I, I think it's 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 kind of all or nothing at, at this point. Um, and look, Bill O'Brien, I would not go there for myriad reasons, especially coming off the, the debacle that was. Urban Meyer. He did win back to back division titles and you know there. Um he was a part of developing Deshaun Watson. So we'll see. Let's uh switch to what will be a seemingly be a quarterback carousel. Uh let's start out in Seattle. What what are they gonna do out there? 
Is that a power struggle where everybody goes and Russ stays or everybody stays and Russ goes? Because all three won't stay together, right? I don't think – I have a hard time seeing John Schneider, Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson all back there. I, I'm not sure that Jody Allen, who's now running that team, that she's going to look at that and say, you know, let's just throw those three and a bunch of balls out there next year and the whatever five draft picks, three draft picks we have, whatever it is, and we'll be fine. I don't think she's inclined to do that and – this is her first time make having to make these sort of decisions and the review process there. Like it's, it's, it, she's not on anybody's timeline. So I I'm told a lot of the nitty gritty of those conversations, the exit interviews, the, okay, what's your vision for the franchise? What's your vision for the franchise? Who else is out there? Um, I, I think they're just coming to that point and, and what that leads to, I'm not sure. Um, but Russell's not signing an extension there and he's got two years left and it's going to be hard for them to present a vision to him that says that this is how we're going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. You know, I don't think he thinks they're two off seasons away from a Super Bowl. And again, they lack a lot of the draft capital. They can't buy their way out of these problems. The roster needs help all over the place. Um, the offensive line as always is a concern. Um, the, the new coordinator they brought in last year, that didn't really unlock anything. So they didn't check any of the boxes they needed to check to, like, you know, keep Russ happy or make Russ happy again. Doesn't mean they have to trade him, and he's got a no-trade clause. So, you know, they're not going to trade him anywhere he doesn't want to go. Um, but I think we'll hear a whole lot about Russell Wilson this offseason, and he feels like his football – mortality clock is ticking and it's ticking at an expedited rate as he continues to get hit and beat up a lot as he gets older and he's fixated on chasing Tom Brady. And I don't know that he thinks the Seahawks are nipping at the Bucks heels right now. You mentioned checking boxes, Aaron Rodgers. It seemed like it was inevitably leaving. I mean, it feels unfathomable to think that they could go to NFC championship game. Hell with a Super Bowl. And him not be on the team next year. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, look, you're always reading tea leaves with him, but he does tend to leave a lot of them out there. And if you just pay attention to the tenor of his conversations with Pat McAfee in particular, and that's his safe haven, like he can, that's his free speech zone. He can, it's not going to be any pushback. It's basically whatever 30 to 40 minutes for him for every week, whatever's on Aaron's mind. The, the way he speaks about that front office, the way he speaks about his football future the way he speaks about Green Bay. I think even the way that community has rallied behind him, um, despite some of the comments he's made, despite the whole debacle about his vaccination status, um, I think he's realized the grass isn't necessarily greener somewhere else. And every time Jordan Love's played, it's been, Not really? Good. Really? You're re that Next year, week one, he really you're going to go with that? Is so, that and I think the, the Packers see that as well. Is that a chicken or the egg scenario there in Green Bay? Is that the head coach came in and revived his career, or is Aaron Rodgers really good and makes the head yeah. coach look look right? I think you look back and say, "Boy, Aaron Rodgers prolonged that Mike McCarthy thing um, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty significantly." And that if he wasn't otherworldly, that probably comes crashing down as well. And you know, the one year he did miss time, it was it was sort of an abject failure without him. Now, they didn't have a legitimate backup, but that that's on the front office. But, uh, yeah, I just have a hard time thinking that 
with the olive branches, at least publicly, he's been extending that Mark Murphy and those guys, the moment the season ends, don't run, you know, run up to him and start calling everybody at athletes first and say, okay, can we tear this contract up again? Do something that goes beyond this year and find a way to, you know, to, 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 to heal these wounds. I keep hearing mentioned about Derek Carr getting traded. Why on earth would the Raiders trade Derek Carr? Well, I, I think it just depends on what happens there from a front office standpoint and how much change there may be. Um, they've obviously gone on a run here, uh, but the roster does need help. And I, I think you have to listen. If, if again, a young GM comes in there, he feels like, wait a minute, ultimately to go where we want to go, we've got to be able to build a team that can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Do I really think this team um, has what it takes to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? How many more pieces do we need on defense? Like, they've got a great defensive line. Beyond that, you know, there's questions to be asked. Like, Casey Hayward's played out of his mind, but he's been hurt a lot and he's older. Like, you know, you, you really start peeling back the onion on who's getting it done for them. Um, you know, the offensive line, like uh, – Still work to be done. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, he, he he has played really well, played MVP-type football for stretches of the season, and then there's other stretches where he kind of gets away from him a little bit. I don't think he's, he's exceedingly likely to be traded, but I also don't know that if Mike Mayock's going to be there uh, – two weeks from now, three weeks from now. So I, I think a lot of it will, will certainly depend on who he brings in there. Like if it's Jim Harbaugh and John Dorsey, they're not trading Derek Carr. Like those right. guys have been, you know what I mean? Like they're not like, no, we're, 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 we want to win right bleeping now. And we'll, we'll trade a bunch of future draft picks to get guys we want now. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to win with Derek Carr. I don't, I don't not, I'm not about developing a quarterback when I have that guy. So We'll see. I, I don't know whether Mark Davis ultimately will look at this as just because Gruden's gone. It is a circle closing, but their drafts have not borne nearly as much fruit as they should have for where they've been picking. And the next guy might come in and look at their depth chart and look at a two or three year plan and say, I don't think I'm beating the Chiefs with Derek Carr. So maybe now's the time to trade Derek Carr. Two more on the quarterbacks. Uh, Matt Ryan, I think he'll be back in Atlanta. It's a huge price tag. Um, but I could see him in a place like, yeah. say, Washington if they don't pay up, right? I mean, a team that could maybe look to just insert quarterback. Do you, is that reasonable, or you think they'll find a way to get him back in Atlanta next year? Um, no, I think it's reasonable. I think he and Cousins are in a similar boat. The the number, you know, is pretty high. There's sticker shock there, and the the player would have to be willing to do some contract uh, machinations with you to to add on years for the new team, to change some things around short-term from a cap standpoint. Um, but yeah, like when you talk to general managers and you talk to agents who represent a lot of quarterbacks about this market, um, you know, they, they you, you hear Russell Wilson, obviously Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers. you know, I, again, I think Aaron's going back. Um, and Watson obviously has mitigating circumstances, um, things that have to be cleared up there for at least some owners to, to make a move like that. And then, yeah, you, you hear Cousins, you hear Matt Ryan, you hear Carr. Um, there is sort of a, a a cluster of them. And then there's another tier where, you know, whether it's a Mariota or um, a Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, some people think Trubisky could be. Some people like Gardner Minshew and say, you know what, like he like is 
like is Baker Mayfield better than Mark Gardner Minshew? Like, is he markedly better than Gardner Minshew? Like, I don't, I don't know. He may not be at all. And Gardner Minshew is much cheaper. So yeah, I, I think it has the potential to be a wild and wacky QB market. Um, but it also could end up being something of a dud where maybe one of these guys is traded and that's yeah. it. Cause it, cause it feels like every year we're, we're going to get that year. Right. And generally yeah. that year never happens. Yeah. The, the last one, and you mentioned him. Um, I know you can't speak a whole lot on Watson because he's got court yeah. in a couple of weeks. Right. I mean, it's soon, but do people feel like there will be resolution after this court date? I mean, you still have the specter, I guess, of that grand jury as well. Um, that I guess could indict him at, at any point. Um, Nobody knows. I, I I mean, it's it's so far beyond football and the scope of this thing and and how many accusers there are. Uh, could it all be? Could he be fully exonerated or and or just settle all these things sort of at once or in a short period of time? And now it's resolved and you're just trading a football player. I, I guess. I mean, it's certainly conceivable. And I think, again, some of these owners are more concerned about it than others. I mean, they all have some degree of concern. But when we get to the new league year and most of the guys we just talked about end up not being traded, um, could two owners get in a bidding war for Watson, even with not that much more clarity than we had at the trade deadline? In this league, it wouldn't shock me. Um, It wouldn't shock me at all. Um, I, I just I don't have the legal wherewithal to you know what i mean to try to handicap when we have full clarity and what that clarity looks like in terms of of um any wrongdoing on his part but there was there was a lot of discussions at the trade deadline so there's going to be a lot of discussions leading into march 16th or whatever the tampering period i think starts the 14th so there'll be a lot of discussions will somebody be willing to pull the trigger even even if we don't know much more than we know now i wouldn't rule it out I want to talk a little bit about the slate of games this weekend. Before we do, I got a couple of Washington football team sure. questions for you. Uh, did you like the Ron Rivera hire at the time? Do you still think it was the right move now? I think Ron Rivera was the leader, sort of the the CEO that they needed in terms of the coach. The Ron Rivera as the decision maker on all things, like Ron Rivera recast as Joe Gibbs 2.0. I, I I always had reservations about that because I know a lot of people who've worked with Ron in the past and evaluations, you know what I mean? And and dead set player evaluations hasn't really been his thing. You know what I mean? And and he could certainly, he's certainly a leader, but putting an entire organization together, he hadn't really done that before. And he's doing it under duress given where, you know, it's under the microscope of the, the talk, the investigation and the toxic work culture and all that. So I think Ron Rivera could get people to buy into a vision. I think Ron Rivera is a leader of men. Is Ron Rivera a reshaper of a franchise and especially one that's been this beleaguered for this long? I don't know. You know, I think I like Marty Herney a lot. Like I, I like what they did in, in its totality. Um, but even that ended up being a little bit staggered, you know? And so I, I guess like something Murphy's law, like at some point it's not all going to be bad. Right. Uh Oh, what's going on down there? Sorry. No, you're good. Copper 
Something eventually is going to work, right? I mean, it can't be this forever. Um, but it was the the way it was kind of set up. I, I was like, there's a lot of things that Ron Rivera is, but that you're you're asking him to take on. Much. Oh, did I lose you? You've uh, your video is frozen. There you go. It's a little better. I can hear you. You have me now. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, like, I, I think Ron Rivera was the was sort of the leader that that Dan Snyder needed in that moment of. Yeah, your internet, your internet froze on me. No, you're back now. Yeah. Um, I'll try again. Uh, no, you're you're fine. Is is there any is there any chance that um, that they get to the twenty second without the name leaking? Probably not. I guess you know. Probably not. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of this right. They've done a really good job to this point, I guess. But then there's the video where I guess if you blow it up, you could kind of of that one shot of Jason Wright in the office with Ron Rivera and binders and stuff, and maybe something gets out. Um, I, I don't know. That It's hard to keep secrets in this league. Uh, I'm just not – I don't really – care one way or the other you know what i mean it's like it's not a story that i'm like interested in breaking like i don't i, I mean whatever they do they do and i, I hope it works out for them and i, I hope that most of all I, I just hope the fans you know you're never going to please everybody but i hope the fans sure. um by and large are you know it, like the logo and does the league care do the other owners care well they care about the washington football team becoming a, a higher revenue generating club they they care about that they, they absolutely care about that. Uh, and they, they care about what's going on at that stadium and what that looks like moving forward. And they care about Snyder's ability or inability to get a new facility built somewhere. Um, they care about fan apathy. Um, they care about empty seats. Yeah, uh, they care about money. They care a whole lot yeah. about money. And the way their model is set up with these 32 partners that all you know share a lot of this pie they're old enough to remember a point in time where Washington is one of the teams that they're making so much money. It's supplementing the, the Jacksonville's and the lesser markets. And now it's like when they're sending out league wide memos and Washington's clumped in with, you know, Jacksonville uh, that's, that's, they're supposed to be a a, a giant, not a minnow in terms of growing the pie. Uh, And last one for Washington, you think they'll draft quarterback this year? Does does Ron have the time to go through a rookie quarterback, or do you think they'll go like a Matt Ryan or a Trubisky type route? They'll explore both, but they've done a lot of work on this draft class and this quarterback class. I mean, a lot of work. 
Um, they've seen those kids play live a lot of times. They've had eyes on them. Um, I think the biggest offseason narrative that nobody's talking about right now, and I get it because we're not there yet, but this kid, Charlie Strong, and his knee and what your medical, the, the quarterback from Nevada. From Nevada, How right? comfortable are your medical people that you can even just, even if it's just getting through the entire rookie, con- like, does he have six years in him does do we think it's a 10 like how arthritic is it how degenerative is it like how comfortable are we with this knee that's required multiple procedures before the kid's 23 years old um because he 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 is the one who has the most ability to be potentially transcendent to be a game changer i think there's others who will play in the league for a long time and there's gonna be a lot of beauty in the eye of the beholder but if he was fully healthy, enough people who I really trust who watch these kids a lot say, like, if that kid's fully healthy, the draft starts with him, and then it's the pass rushers, and then we see what's happening after that. Oh, wow. The you, the knee, you think, will knock him out of the first round? It, it, I don't know. You know, like, it, these teams don't have access to what they need yet. You know, like, the combine right. for him, his medicals are going to be everything. Like, we want to see real-time MRIs. We want to see what our doctors or our cluster of doctors think about him. You know, we want to when he makes his visits, assuming they're allowed to do that because of COVID and everything, um, you know, your your doctors are going to be a big part of that. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, that's going to be one of the biggest subplots to the whole draft. OK. All right. Let's run through the weekend real quick while I got you here. It's Las Vegas at Cincy minus six. This Cincinnati team surprised me. Maybe I was not high enough on Joe Burrow, but man, they're really good. And they're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, you like Cincinnati uh, plus the points or give um, the points? I don't know about the points. I, I like Cincinnati. Uh, I do. Um, I like their roster. I thought from the probably October on after you start watching these teams, I thought that they could win that division um, and maybe win it a little bit handily. Uh, they haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. I mean, it's, these kids aren't aware of them. Well, I'm sure they're aware of it now, but it's not like they live through it. But it's still a thing. Oakland has our Oakland. Oakland slash Vegas has a one one in eighteen. So something's got to give here. Uh, I I I'm wondering if Zach Taylor will be willing to keep it simple, stupid enough, max protect enough, run Joe Mixon enough, keep Joe Burrow out of early down empty sets enough to just try to mitigate Crosby. Um, and in Gakwe and 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 help an offensive line of the Bengals that isn't great, and and ball control it up a little bit and try to win that way. Um, I wasn't nearly high. Came out chucking all over the place. I, I do worry. I mean, what's that? I said I wasn't nearly high That's enough right? on Crosby either. He's been fantastic. He's been he's he's a game wrecker. Um, he, he's proven to be a game wrecker, and he's been big for them in all the big spots. I do like Cincinnati. I don't know that they win by a touchdown. Um, I think the Raiders, when when they when they stick with Josh Jacobs, I think they're like twelve and three all time when Jacobs rushes twenty times or more. Um, and with the construction of their offensive line and with the Bengals D line being legit, um, it could end up being more a, a little bit more of a low scoring ball control game than maybe some people are thinking. Just looking at the quarterbacks, the Bills are giving four to the Pats at home. I'm surprised that line so small. Yeah. I like New England. I like New England. I'm sorry. sorry. No, no. I like, I like Buffalo in this spot. Um, New England's defense has given me a little pause the last month of the season. Mac Jones, I think um, looks now more like a rookie quarterback, which is to be expected. Um, 
I like the way Buffalo started running the ball the last month of the season. Uh, I just think they're the better team. They've got the better defense. I, I, I like the bills here and, and boy, new England's got to, got to keep this thing close. If Buffalo gets up by a couple scores and Mac Jones has to start dropping back all over the place, that's not going to, not going to be it. Uh, Tampa Bay's giving eight and a half to Philly. Uh, Man, Jalen Hurts is a winner, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's, I, look, it's amazing. I mean, people people just kept doubting him, and he yep. keeps proving people wrong. There's there's no way that they draft quarterback, right? You use those three. I mean, I won't say there's no way because he's got a t- how he's got a ton of picks, and and how he's never going to be afraid to to rock the boat or, or or to make a splash. But uh, they they figured out who they were in about the middle of October, and since Sirianni put this kid in more option looks and embraced the run game, and and some of those concepts. Um, they, they, they've run all over everybody. Now, I know we, uh, week 18, it didn't look the same, and we'll see if Miles Sanders is back, excuse me, is back for this one. Um, I I think the Eagles can keep this close. I, I don't I don't think it's a complete blowout. I don't think it's over at halftime or anything like that. I, I do think Tampa's superiority will play out when we get to the fourth quarter, and when, if, it, if it is close, as much as I like Jalen Hurts, you like Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, there's only one answer to that question. Um, but I think, I think the, I think the Eagles can can hang in there and make it interesting. If I if I read correctly, five of the last six winners of the San Francisco Dallas game go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a period of time where obviously the road to the NFC. Uh, title went through one place or the other. It's been a minute. Uh, I, I like San Francisco here. I think they're playing with house money. I think they're playing fearless. I think Dallas is tight. Um, I think San Francisco knows exactly who they are and what it takes to win ball games. I, I'm not sure the Cowboys know. You got Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore interviewing for every job under God. I, that's not always great for the team that they're employed by right now. And I think Dan Quinn in particular is much more equipped to handle that than Kellen Moore. And Dan Quinn's side of the ball has been much better than Kellen Moore's. Um, they, they better be able to stop the outside zone. You know, Trent Williams sounds like he's playing in this one. Uh, I, I think San Francisco pulls an upset here. Uh, the Pittsburgh-Kansas City game speaks for itself. That's the biggest spread of the weekend, I yeah. can't imagine. Uh, and the last one is Arizona at L.A., minus four. Um, the Stafford thing's been weird this year, right? Like, I don't – he's turned the ball over a ton. A lot. And that surprises me. This is an interesting game. I have no I, – I wouldn't bet this game. I'm not allowed to bet, first of all. But if I were allowed to bet, the last thing I would do is put – five dollars on this like both these teams are jack like i don't know who these teams from week to week if you think you if you can tell me you're showing up if you watch them in warm-ups and say oh we're getting we're getting good cliff this week in a real offense or we're getting kyler run around make a play on third down we got no freaking clue I, I don't know which one of those is showing up is it good stafford or bad stafford you know is jalen ramsey gonna dominate this game or is jalen ramsey gonna get you know down in his feelings early because somebody beat him and you know, if LA stars aren't way better than your stars, they're not winning football games because their depth is not better than your depth, especially when you get to this stage. Um, you know, Cam Akers hasn't played in four months. Is that are they guys like is he gonna be shot out of a rocket or are they gonna be down to Jake Funk by the third quarter? Like I, I don't you know what I mean? I I, no. I feel for either of these teams. They they oscillate wildly from week to week on both sides of the ball. Um that, 
I don't know. If you put a gun to my head, I'd say the Rams win, but I'd say that with no conviction. Yeah. Uh, uh, last question for you, Jason. I appreciate you hanging with me today. Sure. Uh, my wife is a huge O's fan. How close okay. are they? How close <laughs> are they to getting back to? Uh, oh. You know. Maybe getting not back the Cal to what? Getting getting Cal, back to... Maybe not the Cal days, but yeah. I mean, like, are we? Yeah. I mean, not a laughing stock, right? I think that um, my gut feeling is if if things go well, and this is not aiming very high, but I think being realistic, I would go back and look at the the, the Detroit Tigers of nine nine of two thousand of two thousand twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, and I think this year's Orioles could be like the 2019 Tigers and the 2023 Orioles could be like last year's Tigers where they had a slow start and then they were above 500 last four months of the season. And they were on the cusp of wildcard conversations late. They were playing potentially meaningful games in September. Now they weren't ready to win a contend for a world series and they, in the end weren't ready to go to the playoffs. But I think best case scenario is that that's the 2023 Orioles. Um, this year they're going to lose a lot of games. Again, I don't. I, I don't think they're going to lose 115 or whatever. Um, but they're going to lose them with kids who are going to be here for a long time, and the, and the pipeline is going to start. You're, it's it's not going to be, you know. Oh, we're going to figure out if this guy is part of the plan. It's going to be like Adley Rutschman's up, and Adley Rutschman's here to stay. Grayson Rodriguez is up. Grayson Rodriguez is here to stay. And Jordan Westberg is up, and Jordan Westberg is probably here to stay. Like, it's going to feel a little more real with a little less stop gaps and a little less hope, although the infield is 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 what it is. They're going to have to sort through that um, until some of these younger kids are maybe ready in the second half. So I think the worst is over. I think they've hit rock bottom. Um, I like what they're doing with the um, – left center field and pushing that back 30 feet and making the wall a little higher. Cause they're going to be a lot of young pitchers and that ballpark's hard enough as it is. Um, but you know, could, could they win 70 odd games this year and develop a pitcher or two along the way and, and see what Adley looks like every day. I think that's sort of, that's where my bar's set. I lied. One last one. What's the plan for Lamar Jackson this off season? I think he plays out the fifth year option. I mean, if this kid was willing to gamble himself a year ago, coming off certainly a down season compared to the MVP season and play it out for 2.75 million bucks. Like if he wasn't taking what was on the table last year, now coming off a quasi loss season where he looked like the MVP of the league for seven weeks and then was in a deep slump and then never played again. You're going to give me $23 million to play football next year. I'll take that. I'll make more money in September than I made all the last year. And then we'll see where this goes. There's a franchise tag, you know, like he's not caught up in it. He doesn't really not, he, he doesn't do a whole lot of commercials. He doesn't have a big profile. He's not out. He doesn't, he's not buying 30 cars. Like he's very like, this is small tomorrow. Everybody knows everybody's business. No one's ever, no one sees Lamar. Like right. he doesn't, you know, like he, he, he's not at the club. He's not getting in trouble. He's not living this, this, you know, you know, a superstar lifestyle. So I just think he looks at it like, man, I've been playing football all my life for next to nothing. Now I'm guaranteed 23 and then we'll see where the chips fall after that. So unless they give him Mahomes' money, which I don't think they're going to do, I, I don't think he flinches. I think he says I, I made what 10 million bucks in four years and I'm going to double that this year. And then we'll see where it goes. 
Jason, thank you so much for your time. My really pleasure, good. man. I had a ton of fun with this. Glad it worked out. No, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks, bud. Happy New Year. To you too, bud. Thank dogs, you. Dogs. All right, thank let me you. get these dogs outside. <laughs> okay, thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah.